The Boiler Breakdown Podcast is brought to you by Mad Mushroom, home of the original cheese sticks. Proudly serving Purdue's campus, Mad Mushroom offers Boilermakers amazing pizza, cheese sticks, wings, grinders, and so much more. Next time you visit, tell them Boiler Breakdown sent you for $5 off any order over $20. Mad Mushroom, feed your head. The Boiler Breakdown Podcast is brought to you by Webb's Family Pharmacy. Webb's Family Pharmacy is an independently owned community pharmacy with stores located in Rochester, Akron, and North Manchester, Indiana. Webb's is happy to announce they are providing flu shots by appointment right in your car. Simply call to set up an appointment and their friendly and caring staff will be happy to help you. For all of your high quality medical equipment, supplies, and pharmacy services, check out www.webrx.com or give them a call. Webb's Family Pharmacy the professional pharmacy with the hometown touch. The Boiler Breakdown Podcast is sponsored by Shroff Landscaping. Shroff Landscaping has been in business for over 50 years and can handle all of your landscaping needs, including landscape design, maintenance, irrigation, hardscaping, fall cleanup, and they are licensed lawn applicators. Contact Mitch Melton today for all of your landscaping needs at 317-694-9763. Shroff Landscaping, design with you in mind. This is Carson Edwards from the Boston Celtics, and you're listening to the Boiler Breakdown Podcast, hosted by Tanner Lee, Evan Webb, and Andrew Eiler. Look, has time to throw. There's an out deep. Way downfield. He's going to score. He's going to score. Touchdown, Purdue. Seth Morales. Seth Morales. There are no flags. The Boilermakers have taken the lead on a 64-yard strike. Unbelievable. And they're showing blitz again. They back out of the blitz. Toss it downfield. Caught by Stubblefield. Goodbye. Tanner Stubblefield beat Dwight Ellett and waltzes into the end zone. It covers 97 yards. Four in motion. They get it to him. Four in space. A burst of speed. A first down for Purdue. He's still going. Moore cuts back. Touchdown. And it's intercepted. Bailey the other way. Marcus Bailey. Welcome back to another edition of the Boiler Breakdown Podcast. A little technical difficulties there. Uh, I got a message that my browser couldn't play the video clip. Okay, I guess we're not getting the Carson Edwards video introduction. Uh, I don't know what you're talking about, Tim. I didn't mind him, so that's why I couldn't see it. So I apologize for the weird intro, but it has fallen apart here like the Purdue football stuff has been lately. Uh, Tanner Lee here with Evan Webb and Andrew Eiler, and this is going to be an entertaining podcast, I can tell already. Um, yeah, that's a, that's a great great intro for what was just a horrific football game over the weekend. Yeah. Another loss, four straight. This that's one to the – Oh, gosh. To the reeling Nebraska Cornhouse. I don't know. Losing to Scott Frost or losing to P.J. Fleck, which is worse. Probably like PJ, that. but I still can't stand they Scott. Play Ross each other this week. Ugh. Yeah, yeah, I don't, that's a good question. I don't. I mean, I feel like right, right now, I feel like it's Scott Frost just because he they're the worst team. At least, like I don't know. I don't think so. I think Purdue's the worst team. <laughs> no, I'm of of Minnesota, Nebraska. Yes, yeah. I, I will say though, Minnesota's lost a lot of guys in the last yeah. two weeks since the last time they played. Including Rashad Bateman, so right. I don't know, but either one's bad to lose. And, and technically, we didn't lose to Minnesota. True, <laughs> oh, that's fair. 
but we did uh, Nebraska. But it doesn't help when you get you dig yourself into a 17-0 deficit right off the bat. Uh, I thought I was having a bad Saturday morning. I texted you guys. We were walking out the door, and I realized I locked my locked locked myself out of the house at like eleven fifty five, and I was like, "Sweet!" So by the time I figured out like the locksmith, it was like twelve twenty. I sat down on the front porch and turned it on. I was like, "It's fourteen to nothing." There's like six <laughs> minutes into the game. Like, what the hell happened? Uh, yeah. And I saw they had like fourteen point. yards. <laughs> on 14 yards so like sweet yeah it was it was just special teams man you got a yeah. block punt that leads to a touchdown one play later and then a big punt return with a penalty then you get a penalty on the extra point for too many people on the field which i'm just flabbergasted oh, how that happens um yeah and then the defense actually holds them to a field goal on the worst field position that nebraska had to start a drive um and Purdue couldn't get anything going on offense to start. Actually, when they did, it would get called back for a holding penalty or something, just penalty after penalty to start the game. And then, um, I mean, Purdue got, eventually got it cooking a little bit in the second half, but it was it was too late. They got within a touchdown, but defense mm-hmm. couldn't get the ball back, which is yeah. different I mean, than the losses against Northwestern and Minnesota, which the defense got the ball back for the offense, but the offense mm-hmm. – I mean, well, what, in one case they couldn't come through; the other case they came through, but stripes cost them the game. So, but I mean, so Purdue Purdue spotted Nebraska seventeen points. What, like yeah. seven minutes into the game? Yeah, it was seventeen. Yeah, good, luck coming, like, good luck coming back yeah. with that. No, and then and then I mean they they did. I mean they played them even the second third quarter, and then they mm-hmm. technically won the four seven to three. I mean, so which is a that's I guess a, they uh, did staple of Nebraska. I think they outscored. They're up there towards the top in the country of getting their uh, point differential in the fourth quarter on the, on the wrong side. So, mm-hmm. But uh, I was I was disappointed. I mean, I, going into this game, I felt good because I'm like, okay, Adrian Martinez, Luke McCaffrey, they can run. Neither of them can pass very well. Well, they found success with the pass game, and they kind of abandoned the run. I mean, Adrian Martinez went 23 for 30 for 242 yards and one touchdown, no interceptions. We haven't had a, we haven't had a, we haven't forced turnover since the uh, Northwestern game. Correct. We we like forced the turnover on downs. Yeah. We forced the turnover and downs in Minnesota, but I don't think that counts. So yeah, yeah. It's, it, I mean, that's what the first two games we were forcing tons of turnovers. That's and we won those games. Right. Against Iowa and Illinois, and uh, Brahms stated today in his press conference he wants to see a more gre- aggressive defense. But how many times have we heard this? You said that for three years. You said that with Nicole. When Nicole was the defensive coordinator, he'd been saying, like, yeah, we're going to be more aggressive. Yeah, I don't understand. Okay. Like, something's not clicking there. It's either the guys aren't buying into Diaco's scheme or they don't like him or something's going on. I, I, mean, I think there's definitely – you can say that just because of the weird offseason that we had or that they had, I should say, as the actual players were just the fans, um, of not having a full, you know, winter workouts going into spring ball. Um, you don't have, like, the normal, you know, talent you would have to, to implement a scheme and, you know, whatever – I remember what the uh, what the new rules were when they were able to see – the team, like when it was, you know, when at the time when it was, we were going to have a season and it was more looking. So having a season in 2021 in winter rather than the fall of 2020, I mean, you don't know how much the team was really able to, you know, practice the new system, which was, it was so new compared to what, what we had been running 
So I, I think that definitely plays a part in it, but I, I wonder if there's just something going on. I mean, I think there's a lot of things going on behind the scenes. I mean, yeah, opt-outs last week, including a transfer. Um, Jared Sparks opt-out. I think we hit on that last week, but after, I don't think we mentioned last week that Mod Anderson transferred. Mm-hmm. Or he's in the portal. Um, he's in the portal. He's in the portal. Uh, Tariq Murphy Jr. opted out. Uh, Dewan Hewitt opted out. DJ Johnson opted out. Alfred Armour. Alfred Armour opted three, out. Three three running backs or armor might be a fullback technically. Yeah, three in the room. I mean, I mean the third string guy on Saturday, I'd never heard of. Um, Jackson Anthrop might've been the third, the, the next <laughs> running back up. Rondell Moore, um, which I could see a package on Saturday, lined him up in the backfield. I don't know. I guess I kind of forgot about that. I think right before we came on Tanner and I was like, I want to see Purdue. maybe Purdue's just going to try to hold onto the ball for 45 minutes of the game on Saturday and run the ball for a hundred, I don't know, a hundred times. At but, this point, I'm ready for anything. Just yeah. throw out whatever you got. Win at all costs on Saturday somehow. It's going to take a lot. Uh, um, yeah, keep the defense off the field as long as possible. But, but looking, looking at the numbers Saturday, this is one of those number, those games where a quarterback, the stats look great, but I don't think his play actually equaled what the stats were. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Plummer was 33 for 47 for 334 yards, three touchdowns, zero picks. Looks great on paper, don't get me wrong. Mm-hmm. And he had moments in the second half where he was playing well, but the one – Weakness of Jack, I thought, really came out. He holds the ball for a long time. Yeah, not at all the time. I mean, this game he did. I felt like in games like his, the first game that he replaced O'Connell, I felt like he got rid of it pretty quick, and that was immediately. I was like, man, he's because oh, O'Connell. Minnesota, I thought, was yeah, he, Minnesota yeah. was. He was awesome. Yeah. Um, last two weeks, he's held it a little longer, and the problem not only does that generate sacks with this young offensive line in particular, I'm noticing the longer he holds it, we're getting holding calls. Yeah, because they're getting beat. You know. Mm-hmm. So, but the line had a tough day. The line just did not play well. Um, and the run game was non-existent. Horvath seven, uh, 21 carry, 21 yards on seven carries, more seven yards on one carry. Doru, uh, two yards on three carries just wasn't well, there yet but again. I mean, like you said, you're down 17, nothing with yeah, you, you couldn't you seven couldn't minutes run. into the yeah. game. You got to start throwing, but yeah, That's I mean, only, outside of Jack's five carries only had 12 handoffs. To- yeah. That's a good point. Um, David Bell had monster game, 10, 10 yards, 130, 10 catches, 132 <laughs> yards and touchdown. 89 of those were on one play where Nebraska safeties ran into each other trying to set up a tackle. But that was huge at the time. I mean, he yeah. got pretty right mm-hmm. back in the game within a score. Uh, Ronda Moore, a ton of touches this game, 30, 13 catches for uh, 78 yards. Uh, for Horvath, four catches for 38 yards. Milton Wright, three catches for 24. Jackson Anthrop, one catch for 22. Uh, Payne Durham, one catch, 20 yards, and a touchdown. Yes, the Big Ten allowed a Payne Durham <laughs> touchdown to stand. In King Doru, one catch for 20 yards and a touchdown. That was a nice play. The, yeah, it was. I, really, I really like that play. Yeah, that was um, perfectly executed. Yeah. Um, that's what's frustrating. There's times this offense looks really good, and other times it's like, what are they doing? <laughs> yeah, There's it's no, no, no consistency. Yeah. yeah. But uh, – Like like we're talking, the offense really hasn't been the problem, but it hasn't been like clicking. It definitely hasn't clicked on like all cylinders like it has in some of the prior Brom years. Yeah, and I feel like part of the reason too is I feel like the offense is playing – I mean, I I feel like the offense is playing a little tight because they know that if they make a mistake, if we turn it over or whatever it is, then, you know, that's – you know, one turnover for us is like – 
you know, three for another team. And I just feel like every time, you know, you know, like last game, Jack had one pick, which, you know, that, that's going to happen. But it just felt like it was such a backbreaker and just felt like it, so, it was so insurmountable to come back. Um, I, don't know, I, just, I don't know if maybe offense just feels a little, they're playing too tight and they're afraid to make mistakes. And that's why, you know, part of the play calling is just so vanilla, which has been a complaint of mine all year um, for Jeff Brown offense. I just don't know if that's part of the reason why, you know, he's afraid that if we make a mistake, our defense can't get the stops needed. And that's why he's not taking chances like he should. And I, don't, I have no idea. It's just really frustrating to watch. Yeah. Got to wonder if you see Austin Burton a little bit this weekend, but we can, uh, we can get right into that. Uh, we got a special guest here that's going to be joining us from enemy territories, <laughs> big IU fan here. But right before that, I better get to a sponsor read. And that is that the Boiler Breakdown is brought to you by Mad Mushroom. Mad Mushroom serving Boilermakers since 1993. And they're located in the heart of West Lafayette, and they're known as the home of the original cheese sticks. Whenever I visit, I like to sit down and have an ice-cold beer while trying out their latest pizza of the month, which this month, bring it up here. It's a new pizza. It's called The Fixings. The Fixings. I didn't say it right. The Fixings. Um, and it is consisted of... Mashed potatoes, turkey, ham, corn, chives, and cheddar cheese. So pretty much a leftover holiday meal right into a pizza. So it sounds pretty good. So if you're still hungry for some Thanksgiving food or Christmas is coming up, you got the holiday food, uh, make sure to tell them that the Boiler Breakdown sent you. And, or you can use uh, the discount code BREAK5. That's in all caps, B-R-E-A-K-5 for $5 off any order over $20. Mad Mushroom Feed your head all right and here he is the man of the the man of the hour hey cameron screeden cam you're lucky we like you to bring you on to talk about indiana football (laughs) on a purdue podcast (laughs) i feel i feel special man i feel honored to be on Well, well we were talking you're one of the few Indiana fans we respect and that we like. So, <laughs> so, so you are. All right, good. <laughs> hey, we're just being honest. Uh, but, Cam, why don't you let the Boiler Breakdown uh, audience uh, introduce yourself a little bit? They're probably like, why are we bringing on this IU fan? So, uh, yeah. On. So, I, I, I hope I'm one of those uh, fans because I like. IU football and basketball. I think that's a rare uh, is, thing definitely. in uh, Northern Indiana, at least a little bit. So you get the the Notre Dame football, <laughs> IU basketball people. So um, hopefully that's why I respect it a little more. I think. So well, absolutely, that's uh, but yeah, correct. I've always Plus, been a yeah. <clears throat> You're pretty realistic too. You're also you. Uh, I I do enjoy your takes on Archie Miller. I'll say that. <laughs> All right, yeah. don't get me started. don't get me started. Yeah, we're here yeah. to talk about Tom Allen. That's yeah, yeah. yeah. We're, we, Cam always said don't want to talk about who your basketball. Is. I know. Uh, but Cam, I mean, big uh, yeah, no. As an IU football fan, a, a lifetime IU football fan, this season's got it. Even though it's a weird season, unlike yeah. any season we've ever seen, unlike hopefully any season we ever see going forward, it's got to be kind of like a dream come true for you. It, it has been unbelievable um, just from going from wanting to 
just literally beat top 25 team like one time one time in my life it's just like hey let's beat ohio state let's beat michigan one time like it's gone to beating all those teams this year i know penn state's down michigan's down but it's like iu hasn't beat michigan in 24 years hasn't beat penn state in 10 years the average score against wisconsin the last 20 years is 51 to 17 something like wisconsin usually that's like the average that's the average and they uh, ten years ago, IU went into Wisconsin, and it was eighty-three to twenty was the final score. <laughs> I think um, we were talking about that. And the so they said, "Amazing, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah." Like, in, in, like, it just so the how insane it is just from the history of IU football to what it was to what we're getting this year. It's just been a lot of fun ride, and I'm just gonna hold on and enjoy it as long as I can. So. Yeah. It, as I'm thinking about it, it seems like everything has been like kind of like a Cinderella season. I mean, it started with the Penn State game where they got that incredible play by Penix at the end, and I mean they've uh, that Wisconsin game. But then you also have that last week when Penix goes out with that terrible injury. It's kind of I don't know. It just it's a very yeah. weird year. I mean, it seems like everything's gone right, and then that injury happens. Yeah, it sucks. Uh, I think the, the another weird thing too, Andrew, is that IU defensively just in the, like in the past they've had some offenses that were pretty mm-hmm. decent, like with Sudfeld, with Tevin Coleman. They had some guys that were um, some decent wide receivers like Simi Cobbs. Um, they had some different guys that they could always kind of score a little bit, or mm-hmm. but defensively it's just always been a nightmare. And then to so this year, just having like a like one of the highest turnover margin defense and having a defense keep you in all of your games has just been kind of another flip too from an IU from uh, an IU fan perspective. So the losing Penix sucks big time. You feel for the guy; he's been hurt three years. Um, just a he's a really talented kid, and you just feel for him. Um, but the thing about IU this year is that they're kind of their defense is really their strength. And so um, losing Penix while it hurts, I think, I think kind of the national media thought, Oh, like they're screwed. They lost their quarterback, like blah, blah, blah. But really the defense has kept us in games um, the whole year. So what's the reason for the defensive turnaround from uh, the, past, the new D yeah, coordinator? Yeah, well, I think so. Tom Allen, I think his guys are starting to turn into juniors and seniors, and I just think you're starting to see those. You're starting to see breakout guys this year, and it, I think it's an attest. It's a testament to Tom Allen and the the player development that's going on at IU, especially on the defensive side. I mean, Kane Womax in his second year as defensive coordinator, and last year you could it was getting there still just wasn't the same. And then this year you've had a lot of guys just take another step forward. Uh, for example, Micah McFadden, their middle linebacker, he's getting a lot of national praise. Um, he just won a, a defensive player of the week for uh, I think the NCAA this week. Um, so, but he got, I was talking to my brother about this last year against ball state. He like couldn't tackle any, like he couldn't tackle ball state guys. So this year, it's like 
he's making all these crazy plays. He's getting to the quarterback. He's top 10 in the Big Ten in tackles to where he's getting all this national recognition. It's like you're starting to see these players take another step forward in their development. They're bigger, stronger, faster. And I think it's really – and it's not just him. It's other guys, too, that are showing up uh, on the defensive side. And you can tell they're really building something, especially defensively at IU. So you, I guess I didn't know. You said this is the second year for the defensive coordinator. Has the rest of the staff – so Tom Allen's in his mm-hmm. fourth year, correct, at IU? Yeah. Has the rest of the staff stayed pretty consistent for that four years? And is that why it's able to build that program? I mean, we were talking about this in our text between Tanner and Evan about how Purdue's on their eighth defensive coordinator. 13 years. Yeah. And if you're just changing every other year, it just seems like it's incredibly hard to build a system or build a culture or develop guys because they're constantly changing, being told what every two years. So has Allen kept his staff, been able to keep his staff pretty consistent that whole year, whole four years? Um, for the most part, yeah. Um, I think the four-year guys that have been – so it's been a lot of like promotion from within mm-hmm. a little bit. So like their current offensive coordinator, Nick Sharon, he's in his first year, and he was the yeah. quarterback's coach previously mm-hmm. and just kind of got promoted to offensive coordinator. So, um, And then it's, it's guys that have been kind of connected to Tom Allen, I've noticed, like whether it is past coaching – he seems to bring in a lot of guys that he's previously worked with. Um, so the only, the one that I think what really changed for Tom Allen, the first two years, it was a lot of the same, just a lot of this, a five and seven, five and seven back to back year. And Mike DeBoard was the offensive coordinator, kind of an old school guy. He could, co- he coached at Tennessee for a while. He was an offensive mm-hmm. coordinator at Tennessee. Um, and, when Tom Allen let Mike DeBoer go and hired Kalen DeBoer, I know it's weird, DeBoer and DeBoer, it's weird. But um, when he hired Kalen DeBoer to be his offensive coordinator at Fresno State, that was really the missing piece. Tom Allen's always been a really defensive guy, and he's, he's been had he's done a great job in different, like at South Florida, he was a defense coordinator, did a good job. Um, at IU when they brought him in completely turned around the defense in his first year under Kevin Wilson and so you I, to me it's like it's always the defense is going to be there with Tom to an extent the defense is going to be there for him it's always been who's going to be that offensive coordinator that, that help him get the offensive side to the next level and I I mean you guys know I loved Caleb DeBoer last year I thought that's the reason why I you finally took that mm-hmm. step forward from seven, four and eight, four and eight, five and seven, whatever you want. I think they finally took that next step because they got the right offensive coordinator in and took that next step to an eight and five record. And I think that has completely changed the perspective, like the direction of the program. And I know, I know Tom Allen's put in an incredible culture and as the guys seem incredibly bought in to that culture and you can tell it's it's showing i mean on the field but i think when kalen DeBoer came in and elevated that offense to another level i think everything tom Allen was preaching and trying to get was like starting to come to fruition and the guys could finally see it where for years and years and years at indiana it's always been oh yeah we're right there we're gonna get we just you know blah 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 and then the players don't really ever get to fully experience the winning or fully experience and so i think last year was that huge step for the program and now it starts to get the players' confidence up and start believing a little bit. 
and then this year, I think it's just continued to elevate this year. What's the outlook for outlook for Indiana look like next year? How many how many players are they are seniors? I guess do they have? I know the seniors can technically come back next year, but how many seniors are they going to quote unquote lose if none of them come back? Mm-hmm. Well, defensively, there's not many seniors. Um, Jerome Johnson is a big uh, defensive interior defensive lineman senior. Um, and then he's pretty much the only one. They got another defensive lineman that's a senior. Um, they got a deep to back that's a safety that plays mixed playing time is a, is a safety um, or as a senior, excuse me. Um, so defensively, they really get a lot back, which is really exciting uh, as an IU fan to return a lot of players on a really good defense. And then offensively, um, Watt, Watt Fillier and Ty Freifogel are both seniors. They're top two wide receivers, but I don't, I don't know about them coming back or what the, I haven't heard much about what the scoop is with those guys, whether they're going to come back or not. Like you said, Tan, cause everybody's this year back. So I don't know what their future plans are still there. It's a big, big mess. Uh, a lot of juniors on defense and a lot of sophomores on offense. So the, it's those Tom Allen guys that are, that junior class is really that that huge class that um, really does a lot of the playing time and contributions. You got to think that coming off this year with the success they've had, I mean, they could lose out and still this has been a really successful year for them. Like you said, they've beat a ranked Penn State team, a ranked Michigan team, a ranked Wisconsin team, um, played Ohio State real tough. Uh, assuming 2021 is more of a normal football season, we get 12 games, we're able to have fans. Do you think the fans show up more than ever next year? (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I mean, I mean, if they don't show up, I'd like to think so. I'd like to think so. They're going to show up. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. I, I really like to think so. Um, it's, I saw a thing, um, on social media somewhere, just talked about like, how, you know, just, I mean, everybody's struggling, I mean, different schools, like financially and in different ways, and just said how much IU could elevate their program if we, if the fans just went and bought tickets and supported. And it's like, you just keep continuing to take this program to another level. And it's on the, I think it's on the cusp of taking that next step. Um, so, like I really, I really. I mean, I was kind of like last year. It's like, what more do you want? You know, you went eight and five. You got a coach that is doing good things. Like, what more would you want at IU for IU football? I mean, why? Like, why would you not continue to support? Why would you not? You know, and now that with this year, just how well they've done, it's like I hope these fans in the stands at IU. So, well, typically, at least I'm on Purdue fans uh iu fans get a bad rap because a lot of iu basketball fans like notre dame football but maybe this year with the success of the iu football program maybe some of those notre dame football fans starting to like like iu but at the same time notre dame's potentially going to be in the college football playoffs so so i guess i guess they got it made be the truth against purdue i guess <laughs> yeah i'm kidding so but uh, I don't. Yeah, so I don't know. I just. I never understand the cross school thing. But you know, we call them reversibles. It is what it is. That's what we call them. 
But uh, yeah. Um, yeah, going back to Tom Allen, what's his contract look like? Do you know? Uh, I don't know full details. I know they gave him extension uh, in a raise last year. Um, it's it's a it's a big thing because it's still not super like com- I mean. I know he was like before that he got that was somewhere in the sixties financially. I want to say ranked of on division one coaches. And then I don't know where he's at now, but it was a huge thing last year. Uh, But they're talking about, Hey, if we want to keep this guy here, we're going to have to continue to bump coordinator salaries. We're going to have to continue to bump his salary and really make it worth his while. So um, I know that's always going to be a discussion. Um, I th- to, like to me, he seems, I mean, he's kind of, he's an Indiana guy. He has Indiana ties and I really don't see him leaving. I see him getting a lot of looks and a lot of opportunities and I obviously money talks, um, big time, but the only programs, I mean, I could be completely wrong, but the only programs I really would see him leaving would be like a, like a Texas, like a, like something like real big. Like an Texas LSU, from Michigan like a, or something like that. Yeah, something like that. Which I guess those two are a little scary, but I I don't I don't really see him leaving for like a like I don't know I don't think you'd call it a sidestep for my U, but like a like a Mississippi State for example or, or yeah. something like that. I don't that really see him doing I mean, doing that type of. Yeah, but you know what you know what I'm saying. Like yeah. I, don't, I don't see him leaving for that type of move, but. Um, you know, I obviously could be wrong. I think he, that's what excites me. I think he's, I think he could stay a while. I really mm-hmm. do. Um, which is, which is exciting for, for me. Yeah. That, and that's the thing I was talking earlier tonight. Um, the only power five job open right now is Vanderbilt. He not going to go to Vanderbilt. That's a big step down. Mm-hmm. I mean, why would you want to go to a low tier right. SEC school when you're already proven that you can compete with the other East schools within the Big Ten? Um, so I, I agree with you. I think it would mm. take a big, big name, but it is interesting because IU could find themselves in a position to where they have to really pony up in terms of football, supporting a football program where yep. they never really have before, like on on the level they might eventually have to. Right, exactly, and and there's already talk. I mean, they've already they've started to invest a lot more than they have. I think Fred Glass really got that going uh, before he stepped down. I mean, with the improvements in the stadium, improvements in different facilities, they, there's still a facility they practice at that they said is like 30 years old, and they said that really needs an upgrade. I think an indoor facility there. So that's kind of like the next step would be like a nice indoor practice facility. But like you said, Tan, if we want to continue to keep Tom Allen there. I believe those are things you're going to have to have happen. You're going to have to see the, see the money increases, see the, like, see it actually, like you said, see the investment there. So. And that's what schools, I feel like Purdue and Indiana have to do. I mean, I mean, before Jeff Brom got to Purdue, there was nothing going on really commitment wise. I mean, the, the bump mm-hmm. to get Daryl Hazel from Danny Hope was significant, but then to get Jeff Brown was even more of a bump. And they luckily already had the new football facilities right. getting built. If those weren't getting built, I don't think Jeff Brown comes. But and then, of course, Jeff Brown has success as far as Purdue is concerned after the four years of dumpster fire of Hazel. They have success the first two years. Then they really had a pony up to keep them from going to his alma mater, Louisville. So now they're right. 
I mean, in my opinion, I think he's safe for at least two more years because of his contract. It is so hefty, the buyout and everything. But sometimes, mm-hmm. yeah, you got to commit that to keep to keep your guys around. So it's just just something interesting that Purdue. It's a right. it's a thing that Purdue and IU haven't really found themselves in too too many times as far as football is concerned in the past because IU is definitely more of a basketball school historically. Purdue's, I mean, they've had moments of football, but they're historically more of a basketball school as well. So. It is interesting because because I think I use one yeah. of those jobs. It's always going to be looked at a basketball school like a Duke and a Kentucky, no matter what the success of football is. Mm-hmm. But that's just me. I don't know. Right. Mm-hmm. So, no, uh, you're you're spot on. You're spot on, one hundred percent. Yeah. So going into this old Oak and Bucket game on Saturday, it's an interesting <laughs> one. Um, as far as I mean, Indiana is a fourteen point favorite, and I would actually say it's come down. Has it come down? It hasn't mine, really. Mine says nine and a half right now, and I am stuck. Wow. It was literally 14 this morning. Uh, I'm on ESPN right now, and it says that nine and a half. I, I, you, I, I would put all my money on IU. I'd put the house on Indiana right now. Um, <laughs> yeah, about nine and a half. Holy if crap. If it really went down five and a half, that makes me think that IU have some players with COVID or something. I know. I don't want to. I mean, I hope that's not the case. They're, 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 they're thinking IU's going to rest guys because they know Michigan's going to going to pull out of the Ohio State game. So then IU's going to be in the Big Ten championship. So they don't want to get anybody hurt. So they're going to play their second stringers and only win by ten points instead of by thirty points. <laughs> if Tom Crean was still at Indiana, I could see that happening. Him making a deal with his brother, <laughs> but it's not the case. So, but looking back. Um, at the IU Purdue series, I mean, all time Purdue's got the lead 74 42 to six and a lead in Bloomington 35 19 to two. But in the last decade, Indiana's got the six and four record. Oh, because you got freaking Daryl Hazel in there. Thank know. you, Daryl Hazel. Yeah, yeah Dandy Daryl. Yes, he, he did uh, uh, count for a lot of those last year, though. Saw Indiana win a, a really a thriller of a college football game, game, especially if he didn't care who won. It was a really good football game. It's 44-41 in double overtime. Crappy game to be at weather-wise. Horrible weather-wise. And uh, besides that, it was it was, it was fun until Wait. the end as a Purdue fan. But. Also, kind of speaking of the weather, I, as I, you've been pretty fortunate, I feel like thinking about how delayed the season is, that the old luck and bucket game is going to be like December 12th, 12th or something. Yeah. And it's going to be like 50. Like how incredibly Pretty amazing. Yeah, you push the weather back. Like it's, I thought, like, oh, it's going to be real crappy. Like, you're going to get all these games after Thanksgiving, and it's going to be miserably cold. And Snowy. I'm pretty sure, I'm pretty sure it's going to be like 50 on Saturday. <laughs> Here in Indy, this on Friday, it's 59 is the high on Friday. I have to play golf. Has, <laughs> has Indiana has their team been affected uh, big time by COVID cases, Cam? Because I, I feel like if so, I haven't really heard about it. Not really, no. Um, they had, they said that they haven't really released. Or two weeks ago against Maryland, they said they had some guys have it, and they sat out. They wouldn't really release details yeah. on who had it. Like Samson James is their their backup or their kind of their second string mm-hmm. running back. He hasn't played the last two weeks, and like nobody knows why. So yeah. people assume, kind of assumed it was COVID. And there was, and then uh, Cam Jones sat out the Maryland game, and then there was a couple of offensive linemen that sat out too. So and they didn't release any, like anything specific, but people were saying they thought it was because of COVID mm-hmm. uh, and things. Like that. I think they said they had 12 players missing. I, th- I want to say against Maryland. 
11 or 12, I believe. But that's really the only that I've heard about. And everybody, all those guys were back for Wisconsin. So See, that's the that's thing. Purdue, Purdue for a while was doing pretty well, but then they lost George Karloftis. Then he can't come back until next week if right. those games happen for the championship game. I'm pretty sure they're when they're starting safeties or linebacker, I guess, Jalen Graham. Pretty sure he has it because he went from starting to playing zero snap counts on Saturday, and Brom just said illness, wouldn't really say. And then today, one of their other starting safeties, Marvin Grant, announced on his social media that he tested positive. So all of a sudden, I, Purdue's like just dropping like flies. On is, it the, is it the – yeah, it's 21 days, right, if it is yep. COVID? You have to you're out – is it 21 days? 21 days, three so weeks. Big time, if you're a player. player. Yep. Yep, coaches is 10. Yeah. Yep. Mm-hmm. But so it's been interesting to see how, you know, schools, some have got luckier than others. But um, I had some interesting notes here. The last five games Purdue's been on the road against a top 10 team, they've lost them all. But they've all been pretty close games. 2018, they lost at number seven, Wisconsin, 17 to nine. 2016, they lost at number eight, Nebraska, 27 to 14. That was a Gerald, Gerald Parker head coach game after Daryl Hazel was fired. 2015 with Daryl Hazel, they lost at number two, MSU, 27-24. What's crazy about those two games is MSU was ranked number two just five years ago, and Nebraska was ranked number eight four years ago. Look at those programs right now. Um, and they lost uh, – we've talked about this one a bunch on the on the podcast. 2012, they lost an overtime game at number seven, Ohio State, 29-22. Yep. And they lost an overtime game at Ohio State in 2003, 16-13. So. so Purdue's due is what you're telling me, too. I'm getting that. No. No. I just got notes and I wonder. So you're telling me there's a chance. <laughs> so you're saying there's a chance. But uh, uh, before we get into picking some games, Cam, which you're welcome to stay and pick some games with us, what are the keys for Indiana? What do they have to do to retain the bucket on Saturday? Just show up. <laughs> Come on, Evan. Yeah. <laughs> Evan, 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 I'm gonna Webby, Webby, I'm gonna have to disagree with you actually. I actually <laughs> am I think okay, for one, IU Purdue, it's it's always close. i I mean, there's a couple of times I think Purdue Dan, you'd have to correct me, early two thousand or kind of later 2000s early 2010s i think purdue had a couple big wins i could be wrong what was like the what was like the color there was a color in game wasn't it like yeah there's a couple of tiller's last game had 62 to 10 and then orton had a game in there too that was yeah. uh i think uh, orton's senior year he yeah he went nutty on senior day <laughs> yeah that's yeah, that's really it. But really, yeah. Indiana's I'll had be, some on the flip I, side of I, the Hazel era. I mean, Indiana beat Purdue fifty six thirty five one year. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. but more, yeah, more times than not, I honestly game. think it's going to be. Say that again. Sorry, I missed I said, it. I said more times than not, they're good games. Though you're right. Yeah, and I just I don't see it being like I for one I don't think I use good enough offensively to blow Purdue out of the water. It's it's a good it's a good. Game I have actually game. actually I, <laughs> actually I have some I have some stats I have some stats here and I look I did a little research so, um, like total offense actually Purdue has a better total offense 
than Indiana by they average about 40 more yards a game. Um, I, obviously, Purdue's Achilles heel is there. But so it's going to be a battle of strengths versus weaknesses. So IU offensively, they're 95th in total offense in the, of the qualifying uh, F, uh, FBS schools. They are 120th in rush yards a game. This both these rush offenses suck. I'm just gonna say that. Like, I, don't, I know neither Purdue, them, neither I know Purdue doesn't run really run. No. Like it, it feels like both of them are in the Yeah. Well, I, I tried. I, I, I tries to run. They just can't run. But <laughs> the last couple of weeks have actually been a little bit better uh, for Indiana run the ball. They actually, how many? I think we had. You had. 87 rush yards against Wisconsin, and that was like a positive, which is terribly <laughs> sad. But that's just how poorly Adrian the ball this year. Purdue um, had negative, negative like two against Nebraska. I know, haven't they? Had, yeah. Doesn't happen twice this year. Yeah, no, we we had two against Northwestern, and we had negative uh, Nebraska. So there's two I games. I thought there was another zero yards. Yeah. <laughs> but you got down 17, you couldn't run. Like yeah, so yeah, yeah. Was yeah. to run before they even started. Yeah. <clears throat> So statistically, IU isn't isn't incredible uh, offensively. So I don't think they're going to, especially with Jack Tuttle, their backup quarterback, who managed the game really well against Wisconsin. I think he yeah, did yeah. what he needed to do. Uh, I, I don't see him going out and throwing four touchdowns or anything like that against Purdue. I So the, the thing that <laughs> IU, I think, has going for them is, is their, uh, their turnover, like their turnover margin. They are, they're, First in Division One football in interceptions, um, they have 17 interceptions this year. the The secondary has just taken I, what I would call probably their weakness of their defense last year. Is it was their secondary now? It's probably one of the best secondaries in in college football. I uh, Taiwan Mullen and Jamar Johnson are, um, in my opinion, two of the best secondary guys in the Big Ten. I I think, and it's it's going to be fun because. When you got those two guys going against David Bell and Rondell Moore, I think it's it's going to be kind of a cool – like it, there's going to be a lot of talent on the field at the same time. And to me, it's like I use always take it not great statistically offensively, but with how many how they turn other teams over, they just set themselves up for success in those turn – they're plus in the turnover margin this year. And I just think that's really had so much success. So – if they can turn Purdue over, which which I kind of think they will, um, but it's just if they can't because it, it does worry me. I don't think IU's seen outside of Ohio State, IU hasn't seen a dynamic two wide receivers like this. Like it, and, and they're really going to have to step up. Those things they take it – like Wisconsin was kind of depleted at receiver. Uh, Michigan wasn't great at receiver when they played them. So you just kind of look at it. It's like we – I had the upper hand on talent wise from who we played and beat. And then this weekend, I don't think you can say that with Rondo Moore and David Beller. Those two guys are two of the best receivers in the big 10. And you, I think the defense is really going to have to get those turnovers and bank on those turnovers. And so that's where I kind of see the game ch- turning. If I can't turn Purdue over, I could see Purdue keeping it really close and even winning. But if I can turn Purdue over, turn Purdue over like they have with these other teams, that's where I could see IU kind of covering their spread per se. So, I, I was thinking about that. I, 
I was surprised. I guess I just looked it up. Purdue has only turned the ball over, I guess, seven times. That doesn't seem like a whole lot. Only thrown four picks between two with Plummer, two at O'Connell, and they have three fumble losses. I don't remember. I know Horvath probably has, I think, one. And, I don't remember uh, the fumbles. I feel like some of them are probably like O'Connell or something. They were early. Or yeah, Horvath had one at Illinois, whereas Neil yeah. was completely down. Oh, that's yeah. right. But um, <laughs> kind of going with that, Cam, yeah, I don't that. see – you said Tuttle he manages the game. Adrian Martinez hasn't had a whole lot of success passing the ball until last week against Purdue. <laughs> yeah, great, so, great point. Um, one of my concerns is, yeah, like on paper, Bell and Moore are awesome, you know. They've won one game ever where they've been on the field at the same time. That was Vanderbilt last year. They lost to Nevada. They lost to TCU last year. They lost to Minnesota, but Rondell was taken out in the – First or okay. second quarter, then this year they're on three on the same field. I know it's not their fault. One and what should be one and two. We'll correct should be at least. But um, oh, the Minnesota it, game this is kind of puzzling. It's like you got these two, two of the better wide receivers, not only in the Big Ten but in the country, and you're not getting wins with them on the field. But I think Purdue's got to run the ball. I mean, last year they had a lot of success on the ground with Horvath against Indiana, but this Indiana's defense Horvath like, ran all over him. But but Indiana's defense is a lot better this year, and but it is interesting because Xander was originally a Indiana commit as a walk on to play linebacker, then changed his mind and went Purdue to play running back. So he's got a little. I don't know if it's like once vengeance or what it is, but hopefully Purdue can use that to their advantage. But I just I think Purdue has to force turnovers, like you were saying, force turn. I think Purdue has forced turnovers against Indiana, especially early, try to get some of that momentum and see if they can hang on, but. Purdue hadn't forced a turnover in yeah. what, 14 quarters, Evan? I was going to say, Tanner, I was oh. Tanner even talking about Purdue's got to force turnovers, and Purdue's forced one turnover in the last four games. It's going to have to be like a ricochet ball or something because they're not going to get the Tuttle. We are, we know that, us yeah. three. I mean, they can't rush the passer, especially without George Karloftis. They just haven't been able to get home. And then uh, I guess I don't – Sullivan got hurt. I don't know if he came back. I just remember seeing him get, Okay, I just remember him getting carried off, and then I don't remember because I didn't. Uh, but so I don't know. I, I, I my worry is uh, going back to Indiana's defenses. I mean, they attack. They they do a really good job of getting to the quarterback, and that's what worries me. Is just with pretty young offensive line, um, just not having any time to get to let Moore or Bell make a play. So I feel like it's going to be just a lot of just dump offs and screens and just not fun football to watch. I'm, I'm very torn on what I want Brown to do. I want him to go like. I just want to just throw everything and just see what sticks. See, just, see, I'm, I'm torn on him as well, like going guns blazing. We're just going to yeah. chuck it deep, or we're going to throw the ball like six times and run it and just do something <laughs> totally different. Or we're going to put Austin Burton in who had yeah. to take the snap, and we're just going to do a run pack. A bunch, a bunch <laughs> of options. Yeah, that's what I mean. Like just throw the ball like five times. We're going to go run the option. I don't know. Do something totally Listening different. Listening to his press conference today, it wouldn't shock me if they played two quarterbacks on Saturday, Jack Plummer and Austin Burton, even though he hadn't played this Why year. Not? It wouldn't shock me. I, I've honestly been surprised they haven't all year since Brom for three years has played two quarterbacks. I and he recruited Austin to transfer sure. from UCLA. Yeah. So. I thought for sure we are going to see Burton like – before the set, like I, I thought we were going to see him start the second quarter on this last he took Saturday. snaps on the sidelines and they never yeah. brought him in. So, so it's going to be an interesting one, Cam. Um, I know you're looking forward to it a lot more than us three, but uh, it's a rivalry game. Sometimes you throw the records out and see what happens. So, but uh, you, you want to hang on? Yeah, you, never, you never know. I sorry, say that again. No, no, go ahead. Go ahead. 
No, I just agree. I think it's going to be a good game. I, you can't. I just, I don't see how you just blowing them out. Like, I just don't see it happening. It's, it's just, it's a bucket game. Purdue, Purdue, like I use so much more talented than Purdue or anything like, like that. It's a better football team, but I just don't see a blowout happening. I see it being two scores at the max. It's for IU winning. That's the, I don't see it going past that, to be honest with you. So I think, I think it's going to be a good game. I really do. I hope it's a good game. <laughs> I hope yeah. it's not a blowout. So, um, Cam, you want to hang on with us for a couple more minutes and pick some games? Sure. All right, let's go around the other Big Ten games. Um, the game, as it's titled, Michigan at Ohio State. Not very much ever game this, this week. I got this line at 29. That's all I got. That's, uh, I think Ohio State covers. I don't think this game is played. I think it does. I know Michigan practiced today, but I don't think it played. I'm gonna, but Ohio State covers. If, if I don't think play. that. But I don't think Michigan's gonna play this game. I just <laughs> see how. And Ohio State covers easy if they do, but I, I'm agree with Andrew. I don't see it happening. I, th- I think they play. Ohio State only wins by 27, so Michigan covers. <laughs> God. <laughs> Late, late touchdown. Screws everything up for the lines. Um, oh, this is a fun one between two great, fun, cheery coaches. Minnesota and Nebraska. Oh, gosh. <laughs> Nebraska is favored by 10 and a half. Yep. Minnesota doesn't have a lot of their guys anymore. That's shocking. Yeah. I think Nebraska uh, wins this game. I hate it, but I think they win. I think they're better than Minnesota right now. Yeah. Minnesota have played in two weeks. Yeah, I think Nebraska wins. I think they cover. They're excited to give Sprouse like a 10 year extension because I think he's doing so Please well. Please do. Please do. <laughs> I will never uh, pick a Scott Frost led team. <laughs> I'm going Minnesota. Uh, I'm with you, what's Cam. The, I don't... What's the saying? Uh, what's the saying? Uh, the poop. Oh, the boat. What is it? Uh, ski you. Or ski you. Yeah, or that's what. The dude rattles off yep, like 15 yep. phrases every time he's <laughs> on TV. So. Row the boat. Row the boat in the poop. Minnesota yeah. by three. Can they tie? Like zero, zero. Cam, I noticed you're wearing a hoodie. Is that one reason why you wouldn't pick Scott Frost? Because he wouldn't. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You know, he wore a hoodie during the Purdue game. I was like, he's not tough enough to be on his own team. I, I, what's going on here? Um, the battle for the land of Lincoln here. Illinois at Northwestern. Northwestern, I got it as a 14-point favorite. Yeah, yeah, Northwestern 14 and a half. I think they cover. Agreed, they cover. I don't know. Who's in, does, Illinois have, does Illinois get guys back? Or? I agree. Then they're uh, now. Yeah, they had – their starter quarterback or second Peters string, whatever. Back for quite a few weeks yeah. now. That's right. I I think Northwestern gets it done though, and uh, got in a not an argument, but just a discussion earlier with um, one of our good friends who says he's not an Illinois football fan. Yeah, I was gonna say he said, he said Lovey's gone, and I don't know. I think Lovey gets yeah. another year, but that's just me. But he said he's gone, so we will what, see. Lovey in year four. 
Five, isn't it? Five. Yeah, it's five. five. Yeah, he started in 2016. But I don't know. I, Is, they were depleted by COVID at the start of the year, weren't they? Yeah, I mean, they like, weren't they on their fourth-string yeah. quarterback? For About beat up with their fourth-string oh guy. Fun yeah. times. Um, Rutgers at Maryland. I don't have a line on my app. Yeah, Maryland by eight. Yeah, mind it. Yeah, I'm picking Rutgers. I don't know why. Yeah, I'm, picking, I'm picking Rutgers too. Yeah, I, I just Keanu. Yeah, I don't believe in Maryland. I don't. I don't know if I've seen like a single snap take... in Maryland. <clears throat> uh, against IU, Andrew Talia was. Yeah. Talia, to his brother, was mm. not very good. <laughs> uh, that's what nice uh, like completely. Completely a one read guy is what I yeah. kept hearing about and reading about. So if his one his first read wasn't open and he was Runs. toast. Talk like to they, that's what I yeah, I said they I said they feasted on disguising coverages and he was good. So, um I'm taking Rutgers too. Shiano's got them going in the right direction. It's gonna be man. scary. He's like, recruiting the turner, well too. The so. turnaround is unbelievable in one year. Yeah. What he's done in one year. It's unbelievable. So, They're gonna be a which pain sucks too. for yeah, uh, Michigan State at Penn State. I got Penn State as fifteen point favorites. Same. Uh, God, seems I think so Penn State uh, gets it done and gets it done easily. They're yeah, playing I better. Think, I don't think they cover. No, I don't think Michigan. Yeah, I, don't State think so. I don't think Michigan State scores again. <laughs> <laughs> how did they beat Northwestern? Like how? I watched I watched them play against Ohio State, and I know Ohio State was out for blood and wanted to make a point, but Ohio State did whatever they want. Some of their wide receivers are as open as I've ever seen D1 guys open. And I'm like, how did this team beat Northwestern last week? It just doesn't – that's 2020 Big Ten football. It doesn't make sense. <laughs> I remember I read the bottom line of the first half. I, I think it was first half, and Le- Rocky Lombardi was four of 13. For like one, like one ten yards, two touchdowns. I'm like, he's thrown four completions for two. I'm like, what in the world is going on? Like, they're weird. I, no I take Penn State. State. I probably have them cover. Man. I'll probably have them cover. Yeah. And then this one should be a good one. Number sixteen, Wisconsin. At number nineteen, Iowa. Got Iowa as a one and a half point favorite. It'll be interesting to see how Wisconsin. Responds. I mean, they've neither team has anything to play for except just pride and. I was hot, man. Five in a row. Oh no, I was. Yeah. yeah, Cam, what do you think of Graham Mertz? I thought he was all right. I think he. I mean, you can tell he was kind of young and bothered. I thought Northwestern and IU best defenses he's played, and he kind of struggled against both mm-hmm. of them. But I think he's got some potential. I thought he made some good throws. I think he's all right. I think he's got – I think he could be pretty good if he develops a little bit. Mm-hmm. Not the uh, not the, the, the chosen one after that first game. I don't even know who that was two Illinois. months ago. Yeah, when he yeah, yeah. threw like five – when it's like 21 for 22 yeah, in the, the first, first half. Big game on that Friday night, week yeah. one. Yeah. And then COVID hit them really hard. Yeah. Yep. I, think Iowa, I think Iowa wins by a touchdown. I like that. I like Iowa in the close one. I like Iowa as well. I like Iowa too. 
We'll save the bucket pick for last. We'll go through some top 25s real quick, and then, then, we'll, then we'll let you go, Cam. Um, number 11, Oklahoma, 13.5-point favorites over in Morgantown against 5-4 and four West Virginia. Yeah. Oklahoma covers. They're 13.5-point yeah. favorites. Yeah. I agree. I agree. Spencer Rattler's been playing really well. Yeah. He got better as the season went on. This matchup's interesting. I don't have a line for it on my app for some reason, but looking at it right away, I was going to say Georgia, no doubt. You know, they're number eight in the nation, six and two. Then I looked at Missouri. I'm like, Missouri's five and three. And I remember before the season, I looked at Missouri's schedule. I said, they might win a game. I thought they had the <laughs> toughest schedule in the country in the five and three. Yeah. The line is Georgia 13 and a half. And Georgia struggles at times scoring points this year. I, I think Georgia wins right around 13 points, but yeah. Missouri's a lot better than I thought they were going to be this year. Is the uh, SEC championship set? I mean, I know it's going to be Alabama on one side, but I don't Florida. know. The other. Oh, Florida. Okay. Yeah. I wasn't sure if. I believe it's already set. If not, Florida's going to be yeah. down LSU yeah, yeah. this week, so it's not going to matter. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just looking at. Uh... Missouri's schedule and like how their their defense has given up like thirty points a game. Yet they shut out. They beat Vanderbilt forty one to zero. That's why they're looking for a new coach. Derek Mason's a goner. Oh, that yeah. <laughs> like literally though, but forty years. I looked at Missouri's schedule. Like they might win one game. I think oh, they look like Murder's Road and they're five and three. So kudos to them. I think Georgia covers. I think uh, yeah. I think Van I just. My my looking at the box scores, their defense looks bad. That's about all I'm gonna say. Fair enough. Hasn't Georgia's kind of struggled? Yeah, they've been struggling. Yeah. Yeah. Having up some points. Isn't their offense kind of? I know they got JT Daniels at quarterback now, and they said that's helped. But I don't, you know. Well, you, you remember they were supposed to have that kid that Georgia, but I don't think they covered. They're supposed to have that quarterback to transfer from Wake Forest, then he opted out like a week before the season started. <laughs> Kind of hurt them. Um, here's a good one. Number 17, North Carolina, and number 10, Miami, Florida. Miami's three and a half point favorites. Hmm. I'll take the Tar Heels. I don't like Miami. Going to you. I'm going with the upset. Josh's Canes. North Carolina. <laughs> well, I don't like Miami for that reason. <laughs> I'm going to take the U as well. I think the right. U wins. 2-2 two, two split there. Uh, Washington at Oregon. I've got Oregon as a six-point favorite. Like I said, I know absolutely nothing about either team. So I watched go Washington a little bit. I like them, so I'm thinking Washington. Well, I'm going to go with Oregon just for that. Say Oregon just lost, didn't they? Yeah, they lost two in a row. Two close Get right games. I'm going to go Oregon. There we go. I'm going to go Washington. Split. Um, good uh, mid-major. Is that what you call them in football? Non-power five, I guess. Yeah, non-power five fair. is a better term. Number seven, Cincinnati. And number 24, Tulsa. Cincinnati's a 12-point favorite. I think I Cincinnati hope Tulsa wins for yeah. high a little bit. <laughs> um, I know I'm fanboying now. I cheer for Tulsa. So, yeah. 
I think Cincinnati blows them out. Yeah, I think Cincinnati rolls. Cincinnati needs to roll if they. Yeah, want. that's what I mean. I oh, think they're screw you guys. I think, <laughs> I think they're gonna. They're gonna. I think Cincinnati wins. But I think. It's, I think it's close. I think it's close. Uh, I think they're rolling. Close to seven and one or six and one. Um, couple more here. Number twenty, USC at UCLA. I think Clay Hilton's starting to save his job here. I don't. I think he's safe. Only USC, USC, yeah, by three. Hmm. USC seems seems like the best team in the Pac-12. Yeah, I agree. I'm going uh, USC. Um, give me UCLA. It'd be different. <laughs> How about San Diego State at number thirteen BYU? BYU is a fourteen and a half point favorite coming off their first loss of the season to Coastal Carolina by like a yard. Yeah, <laughs> Coastal's so dirty, man. That, that was yeah. So the at the first end of that first they tried half. to kill Zach Wilson. Yeah, that was bad. I mean, they they really could have hurt that guy. That was terrible. Mm, that was really bad. I think BYU uh, covers. Yeah, BYU big. I think they roll. I do too. Last game, just I want to see if you think these guys will cover. LSU at number six, Florida. <laughs> I got Florida as 23 and a half point favorites. <laughs> I think so. I didn't even see that. Florida's game. offense is really good. I think they cover. I do too. LSU is awful. Um, I mean, they lost a ton last year from that amazing team, but. I was thinking back, the only other defending national champion I can remember struggling, and I don't know if it was this bad, was the year after Auburn won with Cam, Gene Chizik struggled pretty bad. Mm-hmm. If I'm not mistaken, he was fired either after that year or the following year after that. Mm-hmm. But so I don't think Coach O's going to get fired, but it wouldn't shock me if his seat gets hot already down there. Which I mean, is they were crazy. Awful. I mean, they were decimated with guys going to the, going to the I league, so. I know, I mean, but man, they, I, I don't they, know what the recruiting class is for this year. I'm sure but, it's at the top. Before he took off is, a yeah. year or two ago, he was kind of on the hot seat down there already. So yeah. they, they don't have patience in SEC country, especially for some of those programs. But he should have bought himself a few with that national championship. We'll see. So, and lastly, the battle for the old oaken bucket 330 Big Ten Network on Saturday. IU by two touchdowns, as much as that pains me to say. That a boy, Andrew. I'm contractually obligated. Oh, shut up, Cameron. So I think a pretty wins on a last minute safety. Some stupid. <laughs> thing. I have no idea. <laughs> the, the, you're gonna, Purdue's going to win two to zero when uh, when IU's punter they snap the ball over his head out the back yeah. of the end zone. Yeah, pretty, there's a pretty good safety start the game, and then all of a sudden news breaks that both teams are just rampant with COVID. They said, just call it. That's it. Stop the count. <laughs> <laughs> I had to. Um, it was perfect. I, I couldn't pass that up. But uh, uh, yeah. one thing I will say, Purdue hadn't got blown out all year. They Actually, every yeah. game they've been in win or lose was decided by seven points until this week, and it was That's 10. I think Purdue keeps it close. I, uh, I hate that I'm doing this, but I'm picking IU to retain the bucket by eight points. I have zero faith. I feel very dirty. I have zero faith, but I still pay for because I can't do it. I can't do it. 
Yeah, Evan, Evan needs to be the host of this podcast. Yeah, Evan's, Evan's I'm, the true I'm demoting, I'm demoting myself. <laughs> demoting Evan. Evan's getting a raise. Cam, final, final prediction. I'm going to take – yeah, uh, I'm going to take IU. Um, I just think they're the better football team this year. Um, I'm going to take it uh, – I'm going to go 28-17 is my final. I think uh, I think it's close, though. I think IU gets like a late touchdown to pull ahead. It should be an interesting one, that is for sure. Um, just as the Big Ten football season has been in 2020 up to now. Um, any thoughts on Indiana basketball before <laughs> we leave or before we let you go? All right, I'm gonna tell everybody. I'm gonna tell everybody. Don't fall into the high. Don't fall into the Archie trap. Don't fall into <laughs> it. Okay, like it's dockage. easy to fall into. Don't fall. Don't fall. Yeah, Dockage. Don't fall. <laughs> a lot of Mark Titus is another one. Don't fall into it. Don't fall. Don't I don't fall for it. It's my only thought. It's my only thought. Big, big game for him against Florida State. I wanted to say this. Can I say one more? Absolutely. Can I say one more thing? Sure. Florida State wins. But can I say one <laughs> other thing? One other thing. One other thing. Okay. I had to say, I wanted to say this. It's about IU football. It's not basketball. Because we're I use a football school. I like so, your basketball takes um, <laughs> I could, I could actually enjoy I think I could join this podcast for basketball talk, man. <laughs> anytime, anytime. You're, you're welcome anytime. Um, okay. Uh, I wanted to say it's about IU football. I thought this was a cool stat. So, um, there's they've obviously they've broken a ton of records this year just because their history is so terrible. But so IU in their last 14 Big Ten games is 11 and three. In their last 14 Big Ten games, that's their best stretch in Big Ten history for IU football. Wow, 11 and three in 14 game stretch. So that wow. blew me away. That was insane. I heard that stat today, and I was just like, I wanted to share that. I thought that was that was awesome. That's impressive. So, yeah, I want to guess that. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, and uh, so yeah. Well, Cam, thanks for. Uh, joining you know three purdue guys here to break down the bucket matchup for the indiana side we appreciate that two years in a row now so might as well book yourself for 2021 while we're at it so i love it you guys are the best nobody does it better than you guys talking sports so i appreciate you guys having me on um I, I was i was gonna be kind of dumb and say leo like tom allen does but i'll just i'll just say peace out I'll just say see you later. And uh yeah. Fire Archie. <laughs> good good way to go out there. We we will not disagree with the fire archie comment. So I will. I'm gonna keep them. Keep that's them. that's a good point. I said, I'm like, no, I want him to say. So uh all right, Cam. Thanks for thanks for joining the podcast thanks, and we'll we'll talk to you later. All right, that was fun. Good friend of the show, Cameron Screeton. Going back on what I said, uh going back to LSU recruiting because that's what we do here on the Bullet Breakdown. Uh, they're fourth in the 2021 class. They yes, always are. <laughs> yeah, it goes Alabama, Ohio State, Oregon, LSU. Well, good for them. Yeah. Um, we, some, got, uh, we, we got a defensive back from their state. So that's it. Yeah, after the debacle that was on Saturday, we had some good football news. We did. We did. We got two 
two, three star commits. So timing yeah. was odd, but yeah, yeah. I'll hey, take they they saw some quick time, uh, quick yep. playing time on defense too. So yep. in both positions, well, one's, that, a 20, one's a 2022, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. Well, I, I'm kind of convinced a lot of these opt outs aren't coming back next year. I just don't understand why you so? opt. I don't know. So I was thinking three about three games it. left. Why would you opt out with three games? So left? I was thinking about it. What if, what if they have COVID? Yeah. And they're just like, well, I'm out three games anyway. I can't practice. I'm just going to go home. Well, that's yeah. a good point. But yeah, I don't think, um, I just blanked on his name, running back from New York. Tyreek Murphy. Yeah, I don't think I think he's coming back. I don't think he's I don't think he's done. I mean, I think he's definitely in the doghouse for after what happened at the beginning of the year. Yep. But I, I don't I think the only guy that we don't I mean obviously this could change, but um I don't think DJ Johnson leaves. I mean he just transferred. I don't see him transferring again. Um he did not play well against Rutgers. He was awful against Rutgers. Yeah. Did uh did Howard play? much against um nebraska he was out there but he didn't do much yeah because uh, i know he only played like two snaps uh i could i could see maybe hewitt leaving just because just the running back room it's pretty much mm-hmm. i mean what horvath has done it's definitely it's him and no room yeah it's plus like, murphy depending yeah, on that yeah. and then there's at least one running back yeah. in this year's class with uh I think Cross. Sparks is gone. Yeah. But oh, I, he's not coming I, back. I, I Sparks isn't coming back. Yeah, I don't blame him one bit for going. Anderson's in the portal, and that makes yeah. sense too. Yeah, I mean, it's 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 going to happen when you have a pretty loaded room like that. You know, I mean, it's you know, hey, it's whatever. You know, mm-hmm. hopefully they find success elsewhere. I just hope they don't go to another Big Ten school. <laughs> I think, yeah, I think you just got to keep keep the offensive linemen because I mean, we started the year with ten that were playing, so keep all those guys around another year in the program. And kind of like what Cam said, I think is where he said the defense really took a step forward. They had some defensive linemen and linebackers, and that's where Purdue was. I mean, Purdue's got mm-hmm. George, and then Neil's gone. I'm sure, right? Like Lorenzo Neil's going to be gone. Then there's yeah. Yeah. like nothing left on the line. I mean, Watts has been okay at times. Dean's been okay at times. Lawrence Johnson's had moments. I mean. I- Need somebody to take that big step and emerge. I think the only senior we had fourteen guys go through senior day, including Rondell. I believe maybe fifteen, including Rondell. Eight of them are in scholarship. Is that weird? No, I, mean, I think I mean, Neil. I mean, is it? I mean, just the fact that I mean, we've had other guys leave early before, but this is. I think Neil cool. went through last year. He did. He did. Yeah. He was also. Did Rondell I mean, go through last year? No, Rondell yeah, wasn't I mean, even was, on the sideline last year at all. Yeah. Neil was a, was technically a senior last year, though, so like yeah. that, like that no. makes sense. But like, I don't know, just I don't, I don't know if that's just a. I don't when know. was the last time the guy left early from Purdue? I mean, we've had. I, I can't name last in a yeah. while. Yeah, I, I can't name the last one. Ray Edwards, Kelly Butler, Bernard Pollard. Mm-hmm. Bernard Pollard, but that was like a surprise, didn't he? Kind of get like that was because he and Pollard Edwards were just yeah. locker room cases, and they yeah. were not good for the team. Um, great athlete, I mean, great talents. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, uh, they had great NFL careers. Yeah, but remember Biggie? There was talk maybe Biggie doing something for Senior Day because everybody yeah, knew he, he was going to leave, but he didn't. Yeah, so. same with Carson that yeah. year too. Well, Carson, I don't know if we were all so sure he was going to leave until the tournament, and then he went. Yeah, and then that's okay, true. That's he stamped it. He's yeah. in the league. Yeah. So, but um, I think the only senior we might see come back is Jackson Anthrop. I think all the rest are gone. Really? I know Dellinger said he's not coming back. Okay. So I, I, I don't mean, know. Some of these guys, yeah, they, they may already have jobs lined up like sure. outside of football. So it could be. Which is also unbelievably tough, though, right now to get a job. Right. Yeah. The, the world is. So they might 
yeah. like if they yeah. if they want to come back at all, it, yeah, it'll be interesting all across the board. But before we get into some hoops talk and wrap up this show, need to mention another sponsor of the Boiler Breakdown podcast. That is Webb's Family Pharmacy. Webb's Family Pharmacy is an independently owned community pharmacy with stores located in Rochester, Akron, and North Manchester, Indiana. Webb's is happy to announce that they are providing flu shots by appointment right in your car. Simply call to set up an appointment, and their friendly and caring staff will be happy to help you. For all of your high-quality medical equipment, supplies, and pharmacy services, check out check them out at www.webrx.com or give them a call. Webb's Family Pharmacy, a professional pharmacy with the hometown touch. Boiler-owned and operated. I feel like we got quite a bit to talk about basketball, yet we don't have quite a bit to talk about. Like <laughs> The game recaps like Oakland, we shot the ball really well and won the game really easily. I don't really even remember what happened. It feels like, feels like forever ago. Yeah. And then Valpo was a grow-up game. And yep. What I mean by that is a game Purdue struggled majority, got a hard-fought win. You burn the tape like Evan says. You get rid of it. <laughs> you never speak of it again. Nobody's ever going to even remember that game besides Purdue fans. How are you guys – because it was weird for me at halftime. How were you guys feeling in that game? I wasn't nervous at all. Same. It was weird. I, it was real weird. My dad freaking out the whole game. He's awful <laughs> to watch. Dad, I know you're listening to this. You're awful to watch games with. Mom and I both agree. You were just not fun to watch games with. You get up and pace the whole time. And, he, and I kept saying, I'm like, calm down. This is a season. We can't lose this game. We lose this game. We're make the tournament. I'm like, holy cow. Like, we're there already. Okay. <laughs> Like I was, I get more nervous and it's early in the season for basketball and I've yeah. already accepted we're going to be up and down and yeah, I, just don't know. I get more nervous than football games right now than I do basketball games. I get way more pissed at football games than I do basketball right now. I'm sure basketball will yeah, change me too. Me January, too. Uh, but me that's too. just the expectation. Like you said, like, I mean, basketball, I'm not really expecting much this year. Yeah. I mean, I also want to do well. I think we'll not expect to be bottom <laughs> half of big 10 by any means, but um but yeah, like I was just like, you know, if water's gonna find its level, we're gonna hit some shots. So they're not gonna make as many shots. The Valpo was not gonna make as many shots as they were. I mean, we had a half their team in foul trouble. Um, yeah, yeah, but it was it, it was just a polar opposite, and that's what I was kind of like. I guess I I don't remember. I was I think I was more ups, like pissed than like worried. Mm-hmm. I was more of just like, how the heck are we down like nine or something? Yeah. Was it eleven or what was it at halftime? I don't even know. It was eleven. Eleven or thirteen, something like that. 11, 34, 23. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but it's just, I, I, I wasn't as worried because like last year, it seemed like the offense just was terrible. I mean, like there was, it was just, it just didn't flow. You could just tell that, but then you've got like the Oakland game where everything clicked and you can kind of just see that this team's offense can just, they just figure it out. Like you said, it's kind of fine. They're going to make their shots. I mean, Yep. I mean, Edie had some good stretch in the second half that kind of sparked it. I mean, Mason Gillis steps. Sasha hit up some like three threes, big threes. He shoots well at home. Yeah, yeah even, with even without fans. Yeah. <laughs> and that's the thing, and, and I don't, and I don't want to use this as an excuse or a, a talking point that we can always bring up every game. But if that was a sold out Mackey, Valpo's not even in the game. No. They lay yeah, down yeah. quick. Yeah, but but that's the thing. That's why these little. That's why people are struggling. Um. Kentucky lost by double digits to Georgia Tech, who lost to Mercer, Greg yeah. Gary coach Mercer, who's their 5-0. Good, yeah. good job to yep. those guys, yes. But, but uh, uh, that Friday night was almost a rough – like Michigan State only won Detroit by like seven. Uh, Mike Davis led Detroit. 
and Wisconsin, did they lose that night? They let Marquette, Marquette. Beat them yeah. that night. Um, and then there was Virginia somebody else. Virginia went into overtime with Kent State and won. Well, there was, I was just in the Big Ten almost had a oh. rough night because – and then I thought they were like Maryland or Rutgers or somebody only won by I mean, you I had, I mean, look back or... last week, Oakland took Michigan to overtime after getting yeah. waxed by Xavier a couple weeks so, before. I mean, this, this is the year for those little schools. They don't get intimidated because there's nobody there. Right. They still get up because they're like, hey, we can still beat these guys and get our names, you know. Yeah, well, because they're, they're not expected to win. It's like, yeah, we're and, Valpo and you're Purdue. Like, yeah. And like Michigan State, Izzo, those guys are coming off a big win at Cameron Indoor. Which is rare because nobody wins there, but this they is a weird year without that. Yeah, they don't win that game if if Cameron Crazies are there. I don't think exactly. And then you got to play Detroit, and the players are probably like, "Ah, we can go out there and just win," you know. So yeah, this is the coaching coaching. It's all on the coaches this year. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean players too, but more so than ever coaches. So it's weird, but um, but this Purdue teams they've been fun to watch so far. Uh, got good news today. Looks like Eric Hunter Jr. is going to make a unbelievably quick recovery and make his season debut tomorrow, which is huge. I think that's uh, yeah. a difference maker tomorrow night. Yeah. I I agree. I, I'm, I think he's going to be a little slow on offense. Mm-hmm. I know what he's saying, but I think defensively he's going to be kind of a tone setter and kind of that veteran that the kind of the young guards need to kind of, I mean, I don't know. And Newman's been a great effort and like, I think he's going to get there, but he's not quite there yet. Mm-hmm. And I think Hunter's going to kind of take some of off of him and it's going to make, Hunter or uh, Newman step up a little bit just because he's not on the guy. Yep. Um, I don't know, Tanner. You probably didn't see it. I know the, the Matt Painter radio show. I think it was like six yep. to seven or something. I think you were a little busy. You share that on our socials too, and so I forgot today. So I, I everybody. I read a little bit about it. I think it was pre-recorded before they left for they Florida, had, they had and fly, they were flying when it was actually airing. Yeah. So I think like they recorded it this morning. And I think Painter had said that Hunter was full go in practice either today or yesterday. Great. Before. So, I mean, maybe maybe he's back. I was kind of thinking, like, oh, he's kind of been kind of limited in practice and he's going to give it a try tomorrow. But it sounds like he's pretty much full speed, which, yeah, four weeks instead of six to eight initially. So that's going to be big. You know, I feel like Painter wouldn't rush a guy back. No, definitely. Yeah. And it's, yeah. I wouldn't like to think anyway. And then hopefully, fingers crossed, Jay Nivey returns soon. Next week could be great. Um, yeah, but the schedule really ramps like, up starting next week. Sounds Not like Ohio next week's State. Easy, but no, maybe. sounds like Ohio State is what they're targeting for Ivy. Yeah. Maybe that's been speculated. I think, I think Miami down a guy or two as well. Yeah, yes. Yeah. So uh, that that is what uh, I think that was at the the Painter show as well. Their the guard, he's like five foot six or something, but he's shooting. Like, no, great world coach though. Uh, yeah. is a good coach, so mm-hmm. he'll have them ready to go then. And Saturday, it's a big – it's pretty much boiler day on the Big Ten Network. You got the bug game at 3.30, then the Sycamores coming into West Lafayette at 7.30, which they always scare me playing them. I don't know why. I know nothing about them this year, but they scare me more than the Valpos or the Evansvilles or even Ball State. Something about Indiana State always scares me. I don't yeah. know why. Is this State. true? Sorry, go ahead, Andrew. Go, go ahead. I just pulled up that game. Has Indiana State not played there? It says they're 0-0. Zero zero. they not played a game yet? Maybe oh, not. Yeah. I know nothing about them. I assume I haven't looked at the roster, but um, somebody's still on the team. Uh, Indiana State has Jake Laravia, who's from Indianapolis, yeah. who was, was a pretty recruit for a while. I don't think we ever really truly really offered him. Uh, yeah, he would have came if we offered him, I believe. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, he may have something to prove. I mean, uh, those kids usually do. There's, yeah. yeah. 
You know, I mean, same with the Valpo's. Those are the kids that they're always in the shadow of Purdue IU Notre Dame all the time, and yep. you get a chance to come into opposing teams' home court, especially when there's no fans, and make a name for yourself. Yep. I mean, what was the last? They kept saying during the game, and it was really pissing me off. The last time Purdue lost to uh, Missouri Valley, because Valpo's Missouri Valley, right? Yeah. Horizon League, I think. Horizon, yeah. Yeah, they're Horizon League. I think they had like NBC on the TV, so I wasn't sure. Oh, maybe um, they maybe they, they, they might have left. No, they, they left the Horizon League. Yep, yep. You're right, Evan. Yep. Okay. They just they joined the Missouri Valley a couple years ago. Last time we lost the Missouri Valley team at home was Indiana State when Larry Bird played. Oh wow. Yeah. I didn't catch it on the broadcast. I was really gonna say I, I, like I four hundred times because they kept they kept talking about how the one kid for Valpo who was knocking the big guy was knocking down threes. They kept calling him like Larry Bird two point oh, and I was like, shut oh up. God, <laughs> I, I I didn't pay attention to that. I know I know we've lost to Evansville in Painter's first year. We went to Evansville, yeah, and we and we lost. I think yes, but, I think that was the last Missouri Valley team we lost to at home was okay. Indiana State. We don't play very many of them. Yeah, led by Larry Bird. But, uh, but, uh, but Matt Painter is uh, really rolling with the recruits. Yes, he is. It's, I mean, I did not expect this at all. I mean, that's that was the kind of the, what we're talking about is we landed 2022 guard, uh, Jameel Brown from North Philly, uh, earlier this evening. Um, definitely seemed like a guy that Painter has been in on from the beginning. The guy who's really prioritized a kid who didn't, uh, play much of a sophomore year it seems like because of a wrist injury mm-hmm. um so he's you know again we don't we don't really we're not really big on rankings but he's ranked about i think he's 105 104 on rivals um it's, like, i think it seems like so matt painter's been really involved in like usa basketball like mm-hmm. the u18 and it seems like a lot of the guys that have committed recently have all gone through that mm-hmm. Or I, mean, I don't know. Guys, I mean, Morton and Brown both from Pennsylvania, mm-hmm. opposite sides of the state. But um, it was weird because I remember, as stressful as it was, which is kind of dumb to say, but the whole Trey Kaufman recruiting like uh, journey, I guess, it was fun because it was you know every day there was some something was was popping up somewhere and then when it was over i was like well now what like and then we're going to be sitting here for a while but then all of a sudden we've got you know two recruits in a matter of you know a couple weeks of each other i think the guys i think foreman tweeted that every time the they've gotten on a plane <laughs> this year they've gotten a, a commit so good next, news yeah yes yeah, next commit's coming uh december 21st yeah <laughs> so was that iowa i have no idea I got rid of that. I got rid of the schedule. Yeah, the schedule, but I mean, I mean, it's he's these are definitely guys with with Brown and Lawyer. It's definitely guys that Painter. I think is he's their top target in those positions. Um, and yes, he's getting Iowa, early. you're right, Tim. And he's getting early and locked them in early. I mean, these are 2022. Yeah. They haven't even started their season yet. Or, or just or just started. Like I know Lawyer yeah. uh, was playing. Oh yeah, it's true. They played a couple games. He played yeah. at Brownsburg. Um, against Cathedral, a good Cathedral team. And that homestead team's going to be good with him and Luke Goody, who's going to Illinois uh, next year. They're going to be able to shoot really well. Um, yeah, I mean, it's crazy that, I mean, I don't, I don't know if it's just, you know, kids are worried with with how scholarships are going to be weird the next couple of years just because of COVID and, you know, the potential transfer, one-year transfer rules. They're just trying to lock their spots in and get them in, you know, get these coaches to commit to them as well. It's going to be – Really interesting, but it's, I mean, 
I will take it. And as of right now, we've got two more spots to fill. I think it all goes back to the lead eight run. Carson made Purdue look cool and it's still mm-hmm. paying off. Mm-hmm. And they talk about Mike, Michael Shrewsbury being back on oh, yeah. staff, yeah. Too, coming back from the NBA. So that gives some yeah. more credit, some kind of street credit to Purdue about, okay, you got, everybody wants to, everybody wants to go to the NBA. I mean, like everybody, almost every mm-hmm. single division one big time player wants, that's their dreams to go to the NBA. So you've got a guy who's been on staff. Yeah, with a kid, with a guy Shrewsbury who's coached Jason Tatum, who's a young up and coming mm-hmm. star. I'm sure a lot of these kids, especially guards might look up to. Um, I mean, that can be, Huge. I mean, again, he's he's coached for the Boston Celtics. You know, one of the most prestigious pro sports teams ever, and they've had some some decent success. So that's yeah, that's definitely helped a ton. Do you guys? This is kind of my closing thought here. But do you guys think the reason we all get more mad right now football than basketball is because basketball is getting these recruits? And while this year might be kind of a growing pain season because they're young we see a really bright future and there's just so many more question marks with the future of football right now. I think that's part of it. I think part of it is too, is, I mean, it's, it's almost not fair because we've had, we've had painter for so long. I think we kind yeah. of know that. Okay. I mean, he, he's at least proven that when he's screwed up or he's had a hiccup that he will fix it and correct it. Whereas with Brom, we don't really know. I mean, and also we were spoiled with Brom the first year, really two years, I guess, of just having that instant success. Like, okay, well, you know, we, you got a six, seven wins. Now it's time to get us eight, nine wins to get us 10 wins. And then I think that was that really kind of, I don't know. Um, I think the trajectory was always there to have a, a letdown of some sort, especially with all these young guys, and then hopefully build up on that, especially given what he had to take over and kind of get rid of the guys who he didn't want and implement his own guys. But, I think part of it is just too, we've had that instant success and now it's okay. You know, we gave you the money, we gave you this investment now, you know, show me something. So I think that's part of it too. Yeah, that could be because I mean, like you said, Painter's gone. I mean, he's been mostly up, but he did have some downs, yeah. mm-hmm. but it's, I think it's such a different rebuilding a basketball program yeah. versus rebuilding a football. Oh, I mean, you get, <laughs> you get lucky on one guy in basketball yeah. recruiting like Carson Edwards Totally changes the team. Yeah, yeah, yeah. totally changes the team. I mean, I was thinking even like not like Swanigan was. A, I mean, McDonald's All American, but Carson yeah. Edwards was like a kind of lightly recruited guard that blew yeah. up. Like, it's totally yeah. changed the team like that. Like a freshman can come in on a basketball team, changes the game. Like the baby boilers. I mean, that, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, totally changes the program versus football. You got to do it for like three or four years mm-hmm. in a row. And yeah, get lucky on five yeah, six yeah. and eight guys a year like uh, get the right guys get the good guys especially I mean, on the line yeah. yeah i mean i mean you look at like rondell moore he I mean we had that year where we had rondell moore for football and carson for basketball probably the two most exciting players in their sports respectively but that thing about with, with rondell's we actually had a pretty decent we had a good team around him in the defense so that you know because if we had you know this defense with a freshman around him i don't think we see the same Good point. I, or even if it's the same quarterback, I think if you I mean if you put Rondale as a freshman on this team, you yeah. see, you know, the things that we saw when he had, you know, a veteran David or David Blau or Sindelar thrown to him. Good point. That's also, I think, why it's partly frustrating. Like, I guess we kind of knew there, like you said, there would be growing pains. I mean, the cover was pretty bare, and I kind of wonder if that first, like Brahms' first recruiting class, he was just grabbing guys, is like trying to get as much talent as he could. I mean, like Painter's gone talked about it too. I mean where Painter went through those lulls like around like what, like 2012 or something. Grabbing the best ranked guys he could. Yeah. And may not have fit the system or may not have been like 
the type of players that he typically wants, but it was a good player. Mm-hmm. Uh, and maybe Brom kind of did that at first because he knew, like, man, I just need talent. But it also kind of feels like we've kind of wasted some of that Rondell more hype. Sure. I mean, he's got one game left, two games left, maybe. I don't think he I plays guess. last game. I think this is yeah, I agree. Um, and yeah, he gave Purdue a lot of publicity a couple years ago, but then it's and then last year was kind of a wash, and this year's a wash, and it's kind of like, mm-hmm. I yeah, I, I'm probably gonna hate saying this, I probably regret it, but it's almost like. I feel like his 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 legacy is tarnished a little bit just because we haven't done anything with him this year. Especially, it's like the whole idea is we just want to see him and David Bell on the field at the same time. And it's like now that it's I've been seen fun, it, but I haven't produced anything. Yeah, I haven't produced anything. It's like man, I almost just rather. I mean, it's been good. I mean, like yeah, we just said, yeah, that. Been good, but the team hasn't produced wins. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, I mean, we definitely haven't seen the offense that we we thought we would have. You know, Rondale running all over the field, and then you know when the defense you know keys in on him, David Bell's you know wide open over the middle for a long touchdown, like we saw. Um, it's just like, man, I'd almost just rather just live with the, you know, what were the, the previous, you know, the first 16 games we had of Rondale. Cause I feel like these last, it's just, this season just left such a bitter taste in my mouth mm-hmm. where it's just, I'm just ready to, I'm just ready to be done with it. That's why I'm hoping he can go out guns and blades on Saturday. Yeah. Yeah. Tear it up. Yeah. And because I, I was telling somebody today at work, Jeff Brown was so popular two years ago in West Lafayette. He could have ran for mayor and won easily. Oh, yeah. If he runs for mayor right now, I don't know if he wins. That's how no. that's how much the fan base yeah. has flipped. Yeah, which is mm-hmm. unfortunate because I mean, I'm definitely not – I mean, as much as I've criticized them, you know, in our group chats or, um, you know, just, you know, to people I talk with, you know, I'm not – I don't think he's needs to be fired by any strict, by any means. I think he still needs a couple more years just to prove what he can do with, with his guys and truly implement a system. Maybe it is keeping, you know, guys around like Biagi and um, – and Diaco around a, a year or two just to like, and we, like we mentioned, we had Cam on, you know, we've had eight defensive coordinators in 13 years. Like you can't build a system that way. And I know it is called football and especially nowadays, you know, it's always just a revolving door of assistance, but you know, I mean, there's ways you can do it. And I feel like just a revolving door of defensive coordinators isn't going to, isn't going to fix it anytime soon. Yeah, I know. And that's why I'm kind of like, I, I, as much as I'm not sold on the, Diaco system. I need mean, he's got to yeah. get a couple more years to kind of implement it. Yeah. I mean, I guess to be fair, like the whole thing is not giving up big plays, and I can't really remember like Rutgers. like an eighty like an eighty nine yard touchdown. Oh, I no, not, not that big a play. Yeah, and I even mean, the Rutgers, was, Rutgers was just a terrible. Like it was just a blown <laughs> coverage. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. It's okay. One in seven games is yeah. gonna happen. Well, David, he's done a good job with the bend and don't break defense, really, and really statistic wise. If you look at Purdue's defense, they rank about seventh in the Big Ten. Surprisingly, they're not like towards the bottom half, which I thought they're going to be. They're like dead half, which just right. seems like they need dead last, but it's not the case. So I think just he gets another year, but I could be wrong. I I don't think he's going anywhere. I think yeah. this year, just because of new system, kind of a wash. I, yeah, I think unless unless Diaco and Brom are just like totally on a different yeah. page, like personally, and that's like, nope, this isn't working out. Then if that's the case. He better get the next one right. Yeah, I mean, you can't keep revolving yeah. door like we've talked about eight coordinators with thirteen years. That's not going to get. I mean, kind of like what Cam was talking about at IU, where they've kind of hired within. Do you think? Yep. I mean, Poindexter was a candidate. He was a defensive yep. coordinator at UConn before he came to Purdue. Yeah, with Diaco. Right. Yeah, with Diaco. But I mean, he's defensive coordinator. He's experienced. Yep. I mean, he's been there the whole time. Brom has. Yeah. Good point. Good point. Well, before we wrap this up, we got one more sponsor. 
that we like to talk about on the Boiler Breakdown podcast, and that is Shroff Landscaping Nurseries. Shroff Landscaping Shroff Landscaping Nurseries has been in business for over 50 years and can handle all of your landscaping needs, including landscape design, maintenance, irrigation, hardscaping, fall cleanup, and they are licensed lawn applicators. Contact them today for all of your landscaping needs at 574-223-2769. Shroff Landscaping, design with you in mind. And you can also contact them. Uh, don't have their logo up, so never mind. <laughs> and we got one person watching, so I'm not going to... Not gonna bring it up. My computer's giving me enough problems tonight. So uh let's wrap this thing up. I've already had you guys yes, on here for 90 minutes. I feel bad. So closing thoughts. <coughs> Man, I, I go back and forth. I know I've been really down on this team, football speaking. Um I, I keep having a glimmer of hope that something just clicks on Saturday. Um I know it's me I, I me thinking that's just gonna make it hurt even more <laughs> when it doesn't happen. Um I just keep thinking what, how hilarious that would be. So I, th- I guess I thought, I thought the same thing last year. I thought they were going to come in and just wipe the floor with us, and we damn near beat them. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, so it's twenty twenty. Crazy things have yeah. happened. I mean, I did two pod. This is my second podcast tonight, and I picked. Unfortunately, I picked Indiana both times, but it's the first time all year on either podcast I've picked against Purdue. Picking yeah. Purdue hadn't been working for me. <laughs> Picking against them is going to work for me. A little yeah. reverse psychology. So I mean, if the weather's nice and. I, mean, it, I don't know what to be nice. To be no, warm, yeah, just not crappy. Yeah, not crappy. Not nice for December in Indiana. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, who knows? I mean, that's why you play the game. Hopefully the team is, you know, Brom says he's, he likes the fight that the team has and hasn't given up, which I hope that's true. I think otherwise, but um, you just hope that. It could be coach know. speak. I don't know. It could be him. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. We really could have team Saturday down 17 and just gave up. Yeah. They did fight that's back true. and get up without a touchdown, but. Yeah, you hope guys like, you know, Lorenzo Neal, guys who are probably this is their last game, you know, who've been, you know, they've had the bucket and lost it. Back. Yeah, I mean, have some sense of pride. And yeah, just, just hope, you know, guys like maybe Anthrop, you know, guys who are from the state um, can get these guys, you know, maybe some of the younger guys up for it. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I like to see kind of what Andrew used already. Just, I just, I just want to see something different. And I hope, I mean, I saw people on Twitter saying, why not just all out blitz every single play? It's like, it's, you really can't do worse than what we've done already. That so, didn't work just, out. That didn't work out for the Jets. <laughs> that did not, no. Um, but I mean, it's just, I just want it to be a fun game. That's all yeah. I really care about at this point. Um, so, but yep. Beat them. It's going to be interesting. That's for sure. But uh, with that said, let's boiler up, hammer down, beat the Hurricanes, the Hoosiers, and the Sycamores. Yes, sir.